Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the prep to pro NBA Draft Podcast. I am uh, Max Carlin, one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as I always will be, by Ben Pfeiffer. Ben, how are you? I'm doing well, Max. Very excited to get, get started with this podcast that you bullied me into starting. So. <laughs> Yeah, so um, today I guess we're going to talk about some overarching thoughts on the 2020 class. Uh, going to go over some of our disagreements on the class, though it was difficult to find those because, uh, as I think the listeners will will start to figure out, we agree way too much, which is why we'll be bringing in guests who can tell disagree us with our opinions are wrong. Yeah, um, And then uh, we'll talk about some guys who have caught our eyes recently. Um and that that sounds like the plan for today. Uh, so Ben, give me give me some overarching thoughts on the 2020 class. Yeah. So this class, as everyone knows, is is not very good. Coming into the year, we had decent expectations for the class. I mean, Anthony Edwards and Cole Anthony were two guys that myself and many other people believe were at least be respectable initiator prospects, not in the tier of Zion and Luca and Cade Cunningham and those guys, but somewhere below it and. Both both have disappointed relative to my expectations. Cole, obviously, with his injuries and his situation being bad, but he's just been pretty abjectly terrible. There's there have been some good things. I mean, the pull up shooting is there as we expected. There's some good defense stuff. I'm probably even higher on him as a defensive player than I came in. But this the decision making, lots of the efficiency, lots of the stuff with him has just been really rough. And Anthony Edwards, I've he is no longer my number one guy. I know Max, you're still high on Anthony Edwards, maybe the highest of like anybody in draft Twitter. But Anthony yeah. Edwards, he's still very much in that conversation for the number one pick. But that's less of his doing and more of they're just not being a surefire number one guy in this class. I mean, Anthony Edwards, uh, there are, there are moments where he looks like a guy who could be approaching that high tier initiator initiator prospect, but there's somewhere he's just impossibly in impossibly driving you crazy to watch so he is i mean he's been good and he's probably going to be a solid number one pick contender so yeah max what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean i've i've had ant number one the entire time since i first made a board uh in probably like july um yeah he's incredibly frustrating i don't even know that he's been a particularly positive college basketball player just because he is such he's not just a lackadaisical defender he's, he's like a weird he makes all of these like incomprehensible decisions and it's really destructive um and then of course offensively like the guy is obsessed with terrible terrible shots like he will turn down open spot ups to take difficult pull-ups it's it's bad but um yeah, you then have these moments where he's got a little bit of space and he'll like in and out and cross over, you know, lose lose a guy who's closing out on him and then uh, like cradle the ball with his strength, long strides to the rim and then decelerate to zero in the flash of an eye and like dump it off with his offhand. And it's just like absolutely no one else in this class can do that. This is a guy who, who you know, maybe I don't think like a true franchise changing guy, a true number one number one but but as a you know your second guy who's just like this this star off the dribble creator who actually like he probably doesn't get enough credit for his off ball game to be honest like he's a great cutter uh i was watching last night the south carolina game and he was he was leveraging some of that cutting to create space for himself as a shooter also so i'm i'm still a pretty big believer in ant but like you said i mean it's a function of everyone else falling out of it like do you remember, like, I think there was a time when we both had a Coro number two. Yeah, both of us were on the Coro number two train. That yeah, was, and, and now, the main, now the mainstream's got him in the top five. And, and draft Twitter's going the other way. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm falling out of favor. Like, certainly, like, in, uh, Zach Milner, our guy, has talked about this a bunch, uh, that in, in SEC play... Uh, Teams are playing off of them. Yeah, they're just ignoring him. They're, he's He had made... I, I haven't checked Synergy recently, but it, he was at eight 
ca- uh, half court catch and shoot makes through like twenty plus games. Yeah, and- he is. He is getting the Tony Allen treatment, and the results have been less than spectacular. I mean, which is kind of to be expected. Yeah. But just seeing it now is is uh, not great. Yeah, and I mean to be honest, I've also soured on his defense. Like. As a team, he's he's really good on the ball. I think that the idea that he's like a really like a one to four stopper is probably overstated. Like I don't think he quite has that one stopper equity. He's just not quite quick enough. Um, he probably added a bit too much muscle, to be honest. Yeah, he uh, was quite a bit springier um, mm-hmm. in in high school than he is, and I he could fly, and he, he got off the ground quickly too. Yeah, I think there was a game like against maybe Wheeler where he had yeah. so many incredible dunks, and yeah. that's just. I mean, that vertical pop is still there. I mean, it's it still comes up, like especially on his finishes through contact and in the open floor. But it's just not there, and it's kind of impacted his event creation, which was outlier incredible. Oh, it was unreal. And in, FIFA, and in FIBA, and it's still pretty great. Like, don't get me wrong. And it, I still have him in my in my top ten for. A but reason. like, you wouldn't have him as in the same tier as a team defender as like Vassal or Tyler Bay, right? Oh no, no, definitely not. Yeah, I'm, which I mean, I thought the Bay than Vassal for me, but yeah, I would. I mean, I'd agree with that. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I thought that a lot of the appeal with Okoro was like this guy is is because I think earlier in the year I was making the argument that like uh, Okoro, I think among non bigs is like better than all of the recent great defensive prospects that we've seen, like like Clark. I mean, maybe even Isaac, like that level of defensive prospect. But I think yeah. he's fallen, like because early in the year, I mean, guys, they wouldn't. Opposing teams wouldn't, wouldn't pass the like, ball on the side of the floor that he was on. It was absurd. It was Deion Sandersing opponents. I remember, like, there was an early game against NC State where Markel Johnson was having a great game, and then they stuck a core on him, and they just didn't pass to Markel Johnson. No, it's I just mean, half the people, floor. Teams it's... feared him, and there's still some of that, but SEC teams have definitely found ways to exploit him and exploit the the weaknesses he has. I mean, he's far from perfect as a defender. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's not as good as. I think he was at some point. Not as good as we thought. Also, tangent: he is at uh, twenty-seven unguarded catch and shoot attempts. And how many? Like, how many makes? Sorry, twenty-nine. My bad. Nine makes. So, wow, less than less than spectacular. Yeah, that's yeah. not but great I, when you're six-six. I mean, the passing is so good for him. Yeah, like, I love. He's it. A, he's a legit legit wing passer. Like he's like I agree. He's yeah. he's pretty Culverish. Um, I would say in terms of. In terms of just pure wing passing, I mean, with yeah, with, but with I mean, live you, that's kind of the problem with Culver, though, right? Where where it doesn't yeah. really matter if you have all these this like great live dribble passing, and you're like, you know, a, a you six seven athlete. Yeah, can't. if you can't score at all in the NBA, that doesn't matter. I mean, these right. are skills that compound. They're not, you know, they're not isolated skills. Um, if you can't get any guys open, there's if there's nobody open to pass to, then exactly. it doesn't matter how good of a passer you are. That's that's kind of the gist of it. Exactly. Which is why our which is why creation is so important and so, and something both of us value very highly. And speaking exactly. of creation, something we value very highly. I know both of us were a bit lower on Killian Hayes coming into the season. And he's someone both of us have moved up on considerably. Killian Hayes is currently my number two, and he's just improved so much in that self-creation aspect over this season. I mean, we all knew that he was this this virtuoso passer coming in and six foot six foot five. He's a legit big initiator and the shooting is starting to materialize as we hoped it would just with with the awesome free throw percentage he's shown throughout his early career. Now he's start he's definitely clearly more comfortable with the pull-ups, step backs, creating his own shot and the burst is still a problem. Um, but he's clearly better with changing directions and getting into the lane. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Killian Hayes. I mean, yeah, I, I was a Killian skeptic. I, I mean, I don't think relative to the mainstream, but relative to some people who, who maintained that he was a top five guy or so coming into the year. Um, I think I had him like late lottery mid first. Now I've got him third. Uh, and yeah, I mean, is there a, is there a prospect that has improved more throughout this year than Killian Hayes? I don't think so. I don't think so either. At least and, not for me. I mean, I've had guys c- come up more on my board, but I think the yeah, jump. But is there a guy who's who's concretely like gotten better throughout the year more than Killian Hayes? I don't think so. And and what's yeah. exciting is it's in it's in ways that I think traditional scouting would have you believe isn't possible. It's it's physical. Um, where like you mentioned, the change of direction recently has been so much better. 
um, I forget which game I was watching recently, but um, you know, he was he was on the move and just like very very sharply changed direction. And if he can do that, I mean that that changes the equation for him because then you know this might be a guy that can really create in one on one situations. And that's always been my concern with him, where he is this this brilliant pick and roll uh, operator, but. When he doesn't have a ball screen, if they switch the ball screen, you know, you you have some issues because he has no burst and he doesn't have enough shake, and he's really just reliant on touch and size. Right. I think the game you're referring to is the Rishon Lee zone game where he had like the change of direction floater. Is it that one? Uh, I'm not sure. I can find. I think, the yeah, because th- there's a play I'm thinking of where he where he had like a really really nice like quick. It wasn't even an in and out move. It was just kind of like a sharp move left into the floater and i mean that's kind of just the big thing for him like you said in terms of upside as, as a creator because he's going to be able to leverage that size and touch to to be effective against a lot of smaller defenders but when you get to the playoffs and when you get to really high level defenses just having that ability to to create space on your own is so important and that and like we said that that compounds with his with his passing too because Hayes has really really special vision if somebody's open Hayes is going to find them and mm-hmm. he has so many he has so many different tools different different passes in his arsenal to find them with him if and he's not just he's he's highly manipulative like he will yeah. He'll manipulate the weak side defender. The guy, he's a brilliant. He's he's one of those guys who's going to walk into the NBA and people who have never seen him before are going to be like, yeah, 19-year-olds don't pass like this because they don't. Like, Killian yeah. is very special. And um, the change of direction play I was talking about was against Alba Berlin. All right, yeah. Which I would recommend looking up uh, because it was really ridiculous. I think Hayes is someone also who leverages his size as a passer really well. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of big passers. But there aren't a lot of big passers who use their size to like the nth capacity. In like, mm-hmm. a Luca's obviously like a guy who is has mastered that, and I think obviously Hayes is that tier of passer. But he's certainly not that far off. I mean, he's far off, but because but it, it's a gap. But he's going to like you said enter the NBA and be one of the better passers from day one. So. Although I do feel like a lot of his passing is uh, like from the interior out as opposed to the interior. Um, it's it's a lot of like weak side skips, which yeah. are like great, but it, he's I think a little uh, maybe a little less versatile yeah, uh, of a passer yeah. among these elite guys. I mean, I, I'm not too worried about that because I think having that skip pass is more indicative of vision than that. I, I mean, I mean he's no Tyrese Halliburton with like the layup pass oh, manipulation, yeah. but that stuff's like, nuts. Yeah, that that stuff is crazy, and obviously layup passes overall over everything are are king just for value value purpose but I, I think like with his height and vision and ability to manipulate the weak side like you said like to be patient and wait for those lanes to open i think that's a pass he's gonna be fine with in the nba i wouldn't be too worried yeah i mean the, the thing you get at when you're talking about killian um with intelligence is that i think that's probably the biggest strength of this draft as a whole like it's yeah it's really weak and you don't have these complete packages of guys but i think you have like five to 10 guys that are like really outlier intelligence for their positions. Um, and I'm curious, I'm, I, I do find the, the sort of upside that or the high end outcomes that stem from that interesting, because if you accept the premise that, that like star level decision-making is, is the baseline you need to be starting from, which I think is, is something that a lot of us on draft Twitter think uh, that once the, you know, if, if you have like Denny learning how to shoot a pull up, like that really compounds to produce a very high level player. So I think the fact that there are so many of these guys that are really, really high level thinkers, um, maybe like points to some, some upside in this class that we're not considering because there are so so few guys who have like consistent off the dribble creation or, or marry, uh, uh, you know, a high level pull up with an ability to get to the rim. Um, I don't know what like is that something you've noticed at all that that sort of the, the I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think generally I feel like generally in most classes it's kind of backwards like we have guys with these mm-hmm. skills I mean like this pull up shooting I mean I look at like 2018 I mean 2019 sorry with the guards we had we had Darius Garland we had Kobe White guys like that who had like the pull up or like the handle and stuff like that but we're missing that like decision making IQ component but then this year we have guys like like I said like Killian Hayes like Denny uh, like I don't know like 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 even Nico. Akoro, Akoro, like uh, Akoro, yeah. I mean guys who guys who lack 
guys who lack those skills. And it's kind of the question like about mentality, like IQ versus skill development. That's really difficult for any of us to answer concretely. I mean, examples of guys developing skills are, are there, but it's just a difficult thing to, to bet on without any prior indication. I mean, just, I mean, can I bet on like, I'm not, I don't know. Can we bet on on Denny learning how to shoot consistent pull-ups? Maybe, but like, I mean, all of the indicators probably suggest the other way. And same thing with a coral. I mean, even less so for a coral, maybe. That sure. Way. Yeah. I mean, my my whole thing has always been, I feel like Denny learning how to shoot pull-ups is a lot more likely than Cole Anthony all of a sudden becoming a good decision maker. Like, I just my my whole theory on that is is the reps that it requires to develop that feel. And I think some of it probably is like truly like innate pattern recognition and stuff like that. Like, I just don't think that's coming for a 20 year old. Um, whereas yeah. we've seen guys, I mean, rebuilding an entire shot is, is not easy. And, and that's not what Denny has to do. Uh, but it has been done before. I just, I, I still struggle to think of examples of guys who have gone from, from low IQ to being really intelligent players at the level that you need to be, to be a star because, I mean, all like 99% of, of legitimate NBA stars are just incredibly high thinkers, high level thinkers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're prob- there's a lot of truth to that. And we'll talk about that, like that age being really important. Cole Anthony being 20 is just another point against him that he's not, he doesn't, he's has less time than a guy like Danny to develop that high, to improve that high level field. And I think to Cole's credit, he showed more in the field and passing department uh, pre-college, I will say. And I think there might be more to it that his situation is hiding. And it's hard to know in a lot of situations because, I mean, he, he could be coached like Cole, Cole go, go shoot. And that's not something we can really know. But, yeah, I generally am, am in agreement with you that having that baseline of feel at like a good or even elite level is crucial to look for. And there are quite a few guys like that in this, in this class. Yeah. I was thinking, um, in terms of a guy like Devin Vassell, who is just super duper elite team defender, the best in the class, yeah. and like an, a ninety, a ninety five, ninety ninety ninth percentile type guy who's who, who flashes special instincts and IQ on that end, but also just is a pretty poor decision maker on the offensive. Yeah, end. it's I mean, it's bad. So, so so how do we think about that? As maybe is it is his team defense being boosted by scheme? Is his passing being maybe neutered by scheme, or is it a little of both? Or how do we deal with that? I tend to think of defensive, um, you know, like team defensive performance as distinct from offensive decision making. Just because you look at all these examples of these special team defenders, Robert Covington, Jason Tatum. And they, it doesn't always translate to to strong offensive decision making, and that doesn't even mean that like I think some people would argue that that they can't you know execute these passes because they're um, encumbered by their handle or like in Tatum's case like he can't gather. Uh, but I don't think that's really the case. I tend to think team defense is a little more of an instinctual type thing where it's it's less um, reading how the defense is reacting to you and more just like like truly an instinctual thing. Um, so I, I don't know how much correlation there is between the yeah. two. I right. think that, I think it's concerning when you have like, I think something that was really concerning for me with like Isaiah Stort uh, as a, as a pre-college player was that he was this, this major processor as a passer out of the post where he would just take so long to read the defense. And then, on the defensive end as a rim protector, like he could kind of compensate with strength and, and length and size, but it wasn't, it wasn't clear to me. I had a little, a little trouble differentiating between how, how much, uh, you know, his intelligence on that end was a limiter for him and how much uh, he, w- he was able to cover with, um, with, with his physical tools. Uh, and I think that, like, in a situation like that, you can kind of infer that, you know, this guy is taking a really long time to read the floor on offense. Perhaps, like, there's there, there are physical physical tools covering on defense, and he's really a lot more limited there than you might think. Right, yeah. And I think, like you said, speed of decision-making, honestly, might be the most important factor here for me. Because we see guys like, 
I don't know, like Grant Williams, for example, who are just mm-hmm. like the most immediate decision makers. And then a guy I was watching, um, West Virginia Baylor, and a guy like Oscar, who takes quite a bit of time to make it's decisions, bad. even if he makes the right reads and makes good passes. I mean, sometimes he takes so long to make them that by the time he makes the pass, the the window is closed or the advantage is gone. And there's something to look at there. I mean, passing passing is very situational. I mean, you can you you can put a guy who's not super special in certain situations and have him be an effective scheme executing passer. I mean, you don't need a virtuoso to run DHOs or yeah. like have a scripted backdoor cut or even like some pick and roll reads aren't very difficult. Like we've seen yeah. guys like Garland execute like execute uh weak side or strong side pick and roll reads or isolated isolated hits to the roller. But it, it, like it, it's about that improvisation, which is why I mm. think I agree with you about it being really instinctual. Because once once stuff breaks down, that's when on both ends, that's when as a passer, like you have to be able to read the floor in real time and kind of just know where guys are. And I think that is also part of the distinction between like feel IQ, because a lot of this tends to get lumped under one umbrella wrongfully i mean it's it's clearly not the same and i think like there's definitely a difference between having watched thousands of hours of film and being able to read uh, a certain defensive coverage than being able to break down a defense when a double comes and you don't know who's open yeah. and the the truly special passers are the guy who can are the guys who can do the latter and same for uh, team defense like like it's easy to study thousands of hours of film and i mean i, I won't say easy but it's doable <laughs> to study thousands of thousands of hours of film i mean we do it but <laughs> study that many hours of film and understand what an offense is going to throw at you but just i feel like there's definitely ways to tell i mean guys making these super long rotations to protect the rim or guys like i look at a guy like i don't know why the, the first play that always comes to my mind when i think of this is it was a josh green play but it was it was when img played holy spirit and he had a rotation where he, he came from like the weak corner to contest and anthony edwards i think a floater and that, that that's just those long rotations those super improv defensive plays that have nothing to do with um, with with an offensive scheme that just show you that a guy is aware of everything that's going on around him and knows what the right decision is to minimize the minimize the offense's chances of scoring and that's really kind of an oversimplification but it isn't like mm-hmm. basketball like as Ben Rubin has said basketball is a game of decisions and making that decision to 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 not allow the offense to get an advantage is really key and I think that's more the instinctual part of this this debate here yeah. I mean, are there any other things that you consider to be strengths in this class? Because I do think that I I, I feel like I'm um, as long like as anyone on this class. Wing depth, maybe. Yeah, I mean like, that's that's the one that comes to mind. I, I mean that's the one that everyone's gonna say. I, I mean at the top, I mean like I mean it it sucks because what you want are those elite mega wings that yeah there just aren't any of those in this class. But no, like, but I mean think about how much like the 76ers need just wing minutes. I right. mean they just traded right, yeah. for Alec Burks no, and exactly. Glenn Robinson. Those yeah, guys those are, are like, not good NBA, NBA players. players. Yeah. Right. But, but, yeah, exactly. And I, and I was going to get to that. I mean aside from that top tier at every level you have guys. I mean in that like that lotto range you have Devin Vassell, you have Patrick Williams, you yeah. have maybe even Aaron Henry or some people. In that late first round, early second, you have Aaron Neesmith, you have Joe Wieskamp, you have Keontae Johnson, Romeo Weems, um yeah. even Jaden McDaniels is in there. And like as you go lower, you have guys like you have more sleepery guys like Terrence Shannon yeah. and you have guys like Desmond Bain and you got and you even have guys like like Scotty Lewis, who some people are really high on, but even I though I mean, you have plenty of guys who aren't going to get drafted. Like, right, I mean, Trevor Queen could be like an NBA wing, and he's not going to get right, drafted. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of these guys like who like is, is um is Trace Tinkle going to get drafted? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a guy who is super versatile offensively. Like, yeah, he's got a role. I mean, and there's a lot of these guys. I mean, just just. It's not just the wing. Is having these wings on reasonable contracts is huge yeah. for NBA teams, and there's a lot of opportunity to draft or sign guys like that. I mean, they got like Robert Woodard, Keontae Johnson. Like these are guys that are going to be second round picks, or yeah, a lot of them won't be drafted, and that's really good. I mean, that's an exploit that good teams will take advantage. We'll see in this draft and see that there, there, there are advantages to be had in stocking up on later picks and getting these guys who like even if they're not nba players just taking shots on wings is always 
better idea than taking shots on non-wings late in the draft or just guys who guys who you can't get on the scrap heap, guys that you can't pick up in the EuroLeague that, that are going to make an NBA impact. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing I'd point to in terms of, of real like points of value uh, is initiator depth because it feels like there are guys who have like re- outcomes that matter um, that are going to be returning to school because their stock isn't high enough. Like DJ Carton, I know we both like. Miles McBride, we both like. Yep. Um, those guys are going to be coming back to school and they're they're good. Uh, like they're they've got real initiator potential, and especially with I mean next year's class is much better than this, but it is shallower. Uh, I think especially at the guard spot beyond like you've got Jalen Suggs and Jaden Springer at the top. But like I mean I don't know about you, I'm not yeah. like a Sharif Cooper guy. Uh, like R.J. Davis is like a, more of a combo. Caleb Love uh, is yeah, Caleb Love. All right, I mean. But I, yeah, I mean, those guys. I mean, if you're if you're an opportunistic team at the end of the first or early second, you know, can you, uh, DJ Carton, I guess, is is a a different situation because uh, he's got whatever his his off court matter is that he's dealing with. But yeah. like, do do you promise Tyrell Terry in the late first if you can get him to come out now instead of having to take him with the seventeenth pick next year? Like that, I feel like that could be a major value play if you're a forward thinking team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are going to be thinking ahead i mean people i mean these guys will have agents that are smart that know that next year's class like is going to be a different opportunity for them i mean and if you're a smart team like you said absolutely i mean there's there's so many capable guys with like legitimate outcomes i mean both of us are are of the opinion that generally um swinging on backup point guard types is not something we want to do until late in the draft they're undrafted it's just it's just not a good use of value i mean there's those guys are like relief pitchers they're they're so replaceable and but there's a lot of guys like with with legitimate like outcomes as more than just a backup point guard like i'll just go through like like david johnson like like you said tyrell terry who i'm a lot higher on than max um grant riller like they're dj carton like we said like there's a lot of these guys who who could who could just be that backup point guard type and have that risk built into them being small point guards, but have skills that make them that give them legitimate either initiator upside or secondary upside or just those those different types of things. Yeah, I, I feel like that do that does probably um, cover the the strengths of the class unless I mean is there anything yeah. else? I guess like it is it is a deep class it's in terms deep. of big. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really it's deep in terms of everything, it's, but yeah, I, it's, it's deep everywhere. But. I think that like the bigs are notable because the bigs that are going to go in the first round or like beyond Onyeka are like legitimately worse than the bigs that are going to go in the second round. And no, go yeah, absolutely. I mean, guys like guys like I mean, we'll talk about Wiseman and guys. Yeah, like but I mean, like I love Harry. Tillman. I think you do right. too. Yeah, Tillman. Like, we're both still pretty in on Oscar. I love Diakite. Um, yeah, I haven't. Yeah. He's not a guy I've got back around to this year, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys like, like Tilly, like yeah. Like no, I mean, there. yeah. If you're taking Tilly and Tilly in the fifties or even undrafted, right? Um, just just talking a pure value game. I mean, I I I'd maybe even argue that Tilly has more star upside than quite a few of these early yeah. bigs. I mean, oh, and like, that's Isaiah, obvious. Yeah. Isaiah Cantor Stort, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Killian Tilly is legitimately skilled, and the the injury thing is. Is yeah, un- it's super yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, like, why would you go with a guy who's going to be a perennial, like, nah starter over a guy with Tilly who has legitimate perimeter upside at 6'10"? Like, no, I think I think we're definitely on the same page with that. So I, I just, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think, a big value opportunity for teams that are smart. Don't, you know, unless you're drafting Onyeka, probably don't draft don't one of these bigs in the first round. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Obi Toppin. What are your thoughts on Obi oh, Toppin? Oh, okay. Yeah, Toppin. I'm... I'm, I think, a little bit lower than than some. I also have not watched enough Dayton. Uh, he's he could be a, a really ridiculous offensive player. Oh, um, absolutely. The defense is going to be a huge problem. I think like, yeah. it's going to be yeah. a really really yeah. big problem. And I think that you do need to account for the fact that he is he is one day he's younger old. than Jason Tatum. Like, oh man, <laughs> like he should be dominating college basketball. He, is, he is very old, is and he is no good he is, sign. But like he's the best player in college basketball. Like, but he yeah. should be. As he should be, and I think, yeah, I think we're basically in the same place. Like I have him twentieth on my board. I've been lowering a little bit, just watching some more of his, watching some more. Maybe like, 
I'm still not sure about his overall decision making. I mean, there are some games where it's just fantastic, and like he's like there are some people who have compared him to Rui. I very much disagree with that, at least from an offensive standpoint. So much better than Rui. I mean, gosh, we can talk about Rui, but yeah, defensively, I mean, they're both not they're both quite bad, but I think they're bad in different ways. Whereas Rui is just the slowest processor, and Obi's issues come with his like it's a move, Toppin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Obi's hunched over, like Polar, our, our, our friend and resident genius Polarfall has talked about, I mean, his, his, like his back hunch and just, he struggles so much to move in the pick and roll and laterally, but but he, he's pretty smart. I mean, he, he can make the right reads. He just like can't get to the spots in time, which is- yeah. I mean, I think there's a legitimate piece, chance that he is like a really high value offensive player. Right, I, I, I think- I, I mean, I think it's pretty likely. I mean, he's he has every skill you want from a versatile big i mean the passing i'm pretty pretty high on his passing as like as a driving kick guy post guy short roll guy i mean he's a dominant finisher right. he can shoot i mean he's like he's probably the best dribble shooting equity it's yeah he, he had the he had the step back three against kansas and maui that everybody yeah. knows about i mean that stuff i mean i don't know if it's bankable but the fact that it's there is really is really nice to see yeah i think it was i think it was um Sam Mazzullo, our our buddy, was was asking who the most likely. I think it was thirty usage, sixty true shooting guy in this class is, and I was Obi. just like Obi and Obi and a bench roll. Yeah, um, that, that's it. Because yeah, uh, the dude is a ridiculously good offensive player. He's the best finisher in the class, right? I think um, so. is really good. I think. I mean, uh, Okoro doesn't have the touch. Like no, no. Um. Yeah, I yeah. think probably like, I mean, Trace OB Jackson has, Davis is really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as big on him as like, I'm not. A, he also Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis also can't use his right yeah, hand. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Obi is incredible with both hands. He can he can finish on the drive. He has he, he does the Brandon Clark thing where he can yeah. contort his torso 180 degrees to finish yep. at every imaginable angle. I mean, he, he he's just a monster. Um, oh, the best finisher in the class is it's Grant Riller. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of a different context well, like yeah i mean but in, just like in an absolute sense grant riller is like a, an elite elite finisher yeah i mean probably but no i mean it, it, you're right it I won't it won't sustain, is, it won't sustain I mean, in the nba the way that it will for right, yeah. oh i mean will, yeah, 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 yeah a ridiculously good finisher. yeah but yeah, also yeah, i, could, I think, also think like probably not to the same degree as, as right uh, right yeah i mean i mean some people i know are lower on obi's off dribble finishing on drives. I'm mm-hmm. pretty fine with it. I think he's gonna be good enough there. I mean, he's not exactly bursty, but he's got enough handle to make it work and he's gonna finish when he gets there. So Yeah. 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 I mean I yeah, and the shot, I mean the, the touch is all the way there. Oh, and yeah. he's got fine enough mechanics uh, visually. I'm no shot doctor, but yeah. But they look fine enough. So So we've we've done a lot of agreeing so far. Should we get to our our disagreements. Let's do some disagreeing. All right. So our first, our first point of disagreement is Lamelo Ball. So Max is the resident lower on Lamelo uh, person here. That was anticlimactic. So Max, why don't you, why don't you give your spiel on your stance on Lamelo? Yeah, I'm. I think the the very first thing that that like really pervades throughout his game is balance, which which stems from from core weakness. Uh, but if you watch, he fades on every three pointer, and I think it's a it's not as bad as it was at Spire, but it's still bad. Uh, and then the thing that really concerns me is balance around the rim. Like we know he is he is like outlier terrified of of contact, and I think it's because he can't take hits. He just gets thrown wildly off balance. It's legitimately dangerous, um, and it just totally wrecks his like the threat of him as a finisher. I mean, beyond that. Um, Oh, and also, I mean, I think w- with uh, the balance, uh, I, it's probably why uh, his shot is is like that arm, all arms push shot. Is I think yeah. probably stems from that too. Um, but then beyond that, I mean, he has zero burst. I think the discussion of his handle is interesting because he does have the most advanced handle in the class. However, he he's an egregious over dribbler, but he gets into these these situations where he'll just like keep trying to cross a guy up and he's just not all that deceptive. So he'll, he'll string together these advanced moves and you're like, Oh my God, LaMelo is unreal. But 
I think on a possession-to-possession basis, he's not breaking guys down with the handle as much as you'd want to see. And I just worry that if he's... He needs to be a really high-level pull-up shooter. And I, I'm not necessarily out on him being like a solid pull-up shooter, but the level that he'll need to be, I question. And then my other main concern with him is defense. I think that with uh, Illawarra was the first time that he ever played defense and i don't mean that in a sense of like the first time he ever tried like the first time he ever played played defense defense. like what he was doing at spire was not defense and what he was doing at um chino hill full court not basketball um but and i think he tried to some degree with illawara like in in an encouraging manner but at what point do you are you too far behind the curve like at he like he tried to to defend on the ball and defend off ball screens but he had no clue how to navigate them and he just like is his game is just full of of um these like horrible miscommunications where he doesn't know um he doesn't know the assignment and he'll he'll be like trying to figure out if he should go under or over in the you know in the middle of the play and and just slam directly into the screen and and boom there's a wide open three or wide open layup or something like that uh and i still think that effort was um it, it was hit or miss great. like i think i think it was um i think it was against the sydney kings one of his last games against the best team uh in the nbl they illawarra had a chance to win on the road in like the the waning seconds and he just lets a guy drive right by him to the rim. I have never seen a player go from the court to sitting on the bench faster. Like it, <laughs> it, it was stunning. And, and like, granted, the next game he came out um, against. I think I think it's I don't know how to pronounce it, Cairns or Carnes or something yeah. like that. Uh, and he came out, and the effort was a lot better. And and um, you know, he, hopefully he took that to heart. But but I think that it was still too frequent to see these these um episodes of just like embarrassing effort from him yeah and, and i you know and it's just like i think with with someone like trey where we've seen now for two years that he has been by most impact stats literally the worst most destructive defender in the league i i i think he's you know on the spectrum of of guys who who don't care uh as prospects from like trey to ben simmons where ben simmons was actually capable he just thought the ncaa was a sham and didn't want to try I think he's probably closer to the Ben Simmons end of the spectrum than the Trey end, but I don't know that. Like, I think that Lamelo's physical tools for defense are pretty bad, uh, and like he he has intelligence to make plays uh, as a team defender, but I feel like for him it's it's more gambles, more the stuff that characterized his Spire tape than it's like really brilliant team defensive uh, plays. So yeah, I mean, I have a lot of concerns. I I definitely get the appeal. I think he might have either like the highest or second highest outcomes in the class, and he'll probably rise. I mean, I, I'm not that low on him. I've got him five, and I think he'll probably rise another spot or two for me before it's all said and done. But I have very significant concerns, and think that the chances of him hitting these high end outcomes are not all that high. Yeah, and I'll open up by saying. I agree with everything Max said on, on LaMelo. I mean, all of those concerns are super legitimate. I mean, th- th- that he addressed. And there is a legitimate case to have him not at the number one spot like I do. But I think in terms of correctability of his issues, I mean, look at a guy like like Anthony Edwards versus a guy like LaMelo Ball. And I mean, Anthony Edwards, just that how correctable is his his decision making woes? As were, like, I, like you said, the balance issue is huge. But Core training is is possible, and he's got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he he is rail thin, and he is so physically underdeveloped. Like, I mean, he he never lifted weights till he was well, like sixteen or seventeen. I mean, he he he's got a ways to go. But Lamelo, this it's not it's not an impossible thing for him to develop that core strength. I mean, I mean, you've seen we've seen Lonzo. Obviously, he's much more physical than him to start with, but he's he's improved that in the NBA. And like just looking at his physical line, I mean, you, you look at Lavar at his age. I mean, the genes are there. He has he has the capacity to put on that core strength, and it might not be for two or three or even four years. But the fact that it's there, and like you said, I do believe that he has the highest the highest ceiling in this class with with just 
the ridiculous handle the the pull-up potentially has and the touch that he that he displayed that hopefully once he improves that balance and can improve that lower body strength that he can really start to utilize that touch more as a finisher. Because once he's taking contact, he's getting to the rim, he's getting to the free throw line more, he's getting more chances to to display the touch. And then defensively, um, I agree that he is very lackadaisical, very far behind the curve. But like you said, those flashes of intelligence are there. And I think um, you mentioned that you think it's mostly gambles. There's a lot of gambles, but I do think there are legitimate instances of team defensive instincts there. And I think that is something to be brought out with improved physical development. Um, once his lower body strength is better, he's going to be able to just, just, just by virtue of his, of his legs being stronger, be able to navigate those screens at a more confident level. I mean, he's going to be better defending the ball. I mean, yeah, all this is contingent on that kind of strength development, which is, which there's a fine chance that that never even happens. And LaMelo is just um, a middling or negative NBA player who's w- the worst defender in the NBA. That's that, that's a real outcome here. But what is also a real outcome is a legitimately high-level pull-up shooter, uh, special passer. I don't think he, you even mentioned his passing. I mean, that's kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. Weird. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it goes without saying. Right, he it is, goes without saying. I mean, he, I mean like, he is, as the resident Lamelo skeptic, he is a brilliant, brilliant passer. I mean, he just invents passes that have never been thrown right. before I, in the history I mean, of the game of basketball. Just, it's not even just all... He has all the vision and the touch and the craft it's, and the manipulation. It's like, just, just the stones to try the some audacity passes. of these passes that he and, like, oh, Those God. high-risk passes are the money makers. I mean... Oh, my God. The value added... Passes I mean, are... he'll passes into um, impossible windows. I mean, I don't know if if you've seen. There's a guy named Coach Daniel, great great YouTuber. He has these videos where he's like, "Can you read the game like X player?" And <laughs> when Lamelo gets to the NBA and he has some of these players, that is going to be the most difficult one because there's just not going to be a window. No, like, I, I truly don't think that there's anyone who has like ever seen basketball the way Lamelo does. Like right. he, he, is, he like he, truly invents passes that have never been thrown before. It it like he is in every sense of the word, a savant. Right. He is clairvoyant, and that is just, like he's the best passer in the class. I think that's pretty clear to me. I, yeah. I, I think oh, yeah. you agree. I mean, just just that that level. I mean, and like with his passing and the, the handling, there's I think even like pe- people talk about the floor being bedrock with the mellow and defensively, sure. Offensively, I struggle to see him like physically is the problem, but just that passing and that hand, the ability he's going to have to get to spots at least some level like, is going to have some sort of value i mean i'm less confident in him getting to spots though hmm. because I, he's so bad with contact and i know it will get better when he adds core strength or adds strength in general but he's so bad with contact and the, the thing it's it's not just that he he doesn't handle it well when he experiences it is that he i think is like yeah, truly outlier contact averse and that's something that i don't think we've seen go away that often in the nba like it really plagues players i mean watch like harrison barnes now in year 10 or whatever uh, like still yeah. terrified of of making contact with them i wonder how like a team would go about remedying yeah i don't that. I mean, there's got to be some really advanced sports psychology mental performance stuff but I, I feel like it's it's really probably just a, a riding a bike situation where you build up this core strength and you fix his balance to the point where he starts to take contact and he realizes, oh, I can do this. Right. Like, and I mean, I, we might be seeing that to, a, to an extent. Basically, he's going to get more confident and just yeah. that confidence will have him be more willing to take contact. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think that's, that's the that that's the hope i think but i don't i don't know how many examples we've seen of guys who who really go from contact averse to embracing it um and i think that he will have to embrace it right uh and i i still i mean like he has no burst like he he can't really beat switches onto nbl bigs i like, wonder how that changes bad. when he has if he gets lower body strength and yeah no that, I, mean, I mean look we've seen we've seen luca at a ton of burst right yeah all right, so I think that that about covers it on Lamelo. We've talked. How about the next guy that we have disagreed on, which is Tyrell Terry? And I will start this time as the resident Tyrell Terry backer here. So I've just written, recently written a piece on Tyrell Terry. I currently have him twelfth on my board, lumped in a big group of those guard initiator prospects. I think there's a couple things with Tyrell Terry that I, I I really like, and I'll address the concern, which is just the physicality with him is problematic and. I mean, 6'1", 6'2", 165, 70 pounds. He's got – he is frail. And that shows up 
on both ends of the floor. I mean, he, I mean, he gets bumped off the ball so easily. I mean, he, he, he struggles, he, he struggles defensively with, with stronger guards. I mean, that, that's going to be an issue as, especially as, I mean, it, it's problematic now in college when he gets to the NBA, it, it, it could be damning, and that's definitely not a possibility that I've haven't ruled out. But just all of the things he does well, I think he his shooting indicators are so so promising. I mean, what he's at like ninety percent from the free throw line. Yeah, it's his shooting profile. Forty percent from three on super high pull up volume, genuine NBA range on off movement shots on deep pull ups. I mean, he's he's the total package as a shooter. I will say, um. Mechanically, I, I talked to Polar about this. Um, he he does a thing where he splays his legs out after yes. after he shoots a lot of his shots, and we that is likely uh, just a, a core strength issue with him needing to generate more. Force and I, I think you see it more the deep, the deeper the yes, attempt. Absolutely. I think. I, I mean, I think like the best example is he hit he hit a ridiculous yeah, three. I know exactly. Against UFC. Yeah, I know exactly. Where, like that's like that's that's all the good and the bad. I mean, he yeah. has. Just the fact that he has that level of touch to hit that shot. I mean, it's really like I, I, I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing him to this player, but we saw people, people before, like people who were trying to discount Luca, wrote off all of the absurd shots he hit as lucky when that yeah. was just another example of his outlier, incredible touch, which we're learning is we're learning more and more is just vital for draft prospects. I mean, yeah. and Terry's got that level of touch, but then you see him flail his legs like he's a flopping fish and. That's like the the worst of his mechanical issues. And I think that's again another thing that's correctable with strength. But like with how with how thin his frame, I don't really know how much he can put on. But all right, back back to positivity because I am the guy who's high on Tyrell Terry here. Um, the shooting is legit. He I think he's got high level high level shooting upside in in all in all realms. I mean Tyrell Terry as a passer, really 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 good as a passer. I mean he's just as a pick and roll guy. The timing there. Is fantastic hitting the roll man. Um, he Stanford Stanford uses him really well, getting him going with uh, pre pick and roll motion to, to get the roller in space. And he's always hitting those. He hits skip passes really well. Um, he's great passing in transition, super aggressive looking ahead. And sometimes he just makes like these ridiculous baseball skip passes that just dr- drop your draw and just show show the level of vision and craft he has. I mean, he's got. He's got live dribble passes with both hands. He's got the vision to improvise when what help comes. And there's definitely a question of how how can he get to his spots? Can he get to spots to draw help to make these passes happen? But if he's if he's high volume pick and roll, and especially with that shooting, he's going to be able to to work off the ball as a secondary guy. I mean, at least offensively, he's going to have value there and get and attack closeouts and make make use of his passing. And getting to the rim is an issue. I mean, his burst isn't isn't hopeless, but it's not great. And the strength and the pop aren't fantastic either when he gets there. But Tyrell Terry is legitimately very, very good finisher. I mean, he is at um. Do you know that you know that one play that I'm thinking of with Onyeka? Like Onyeka has like a great recognition play. It comes over, looks like he's gonna swat uh, Terry's shot. He goes up and under and yep, finishes. Yep, absolutely. I mean, he's. He, I mean, he's ridiculous. He's shooting. Um, Including transition, I mean, he's shooting. Uh, let me find it. He's shooting six, sixty-two and a half percent at the rim. That's yeah. That's I, I mean, he's actually even getting there. Fair, I think it's it was yeah, like twenty-four percent half court frequency. The thing is, I just do you really think that he's going to do that in the NBA? You think this is a guy who can get to the rim and finish in the I NBA? Think getting there is the issue. I really do believe in him finishing there when he gets there. I mean, I'm less skeptical of finishing than getting there. I think I'm pretty skeptical of him getting there. Yeah, I. I think that's definitely understandable skepticism. And I think if he's used the right way, he that can be mitigated somewhat. But I think it's another thing that, that strength development's gonna be big for him. See if he can improve his burst and his strength and his ability to shield off defenders. I mean it, I mean in the pick and roll he's gonna get to the rim and off ball actions are gonna get gonna get him to the rim. And in, I mean he has the most incredible touch and just craft and body control and balance. I mean, there are finishes where he'll be flying full speed in transition and he'll just flick up a floater like it's nothing and with his offhand and it goes in. I mean, there was the finish he had against Kansas where he jumped through two defenders and and finished, just contorted his body 90 degrees. I mean, he's so talented when he gets there. And, and when he gets there, I think the finishing drops off a little bit because of just athletic disparities, but I don't think it drops off to like that significant of a degree. But yeah, getting there is certainly... An issue, but I'll talk about the last point in Tyrell's favor is that he's a legitimate impact team defender, which I certainly didn't expect when I first went into watching him. Yeah, I mean, he he's damn smart. He, 
he has I like mean, great anticipation. He, yeah, he's no, absolutely. he's a, absolutely. He makes plays. I mean, like teams will. I mean, Stanford is pretty aggressive doubling the post often. He'll he'll slide in, take away passes to cutters, steal skips to the weak side. He'll like he'll get on ball blocks. Uh, he'll make defensive plays at the nail. I mean, he just does things that like very few other six foot one guards do defensively. And it's so it's so hard to bet on positive defensive value or even neutral defensive value from someone that 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 thin and that frail. But if anybody can do it, I mean Tyrell Terry's got the got the intelligence and has all of the defensive tools. I mean, he's not perfect. He has uh, ball watching lapses and his pick and roll coverage isn't perfect, but he's also a freshman. Freshman defenders are generally not great. Uh, and as he ages, like with the baseline of team defense intelligence he's shown, I mean, I'm pretty optimistic that there's a decent chance he hits like close to neutral, which would be pretty huge for him, not being one of the worst defenders in the league at his size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I've got Terry in the late 30s, but I think he's going to keep coming up for me as I watch more. Because uh, one of the I mean, I just, from what I've seen, I have not seen him being a great pick and roll passer. But I mean, if you've seen that, you've you've seen more of him. I I buy it. Because um, I what I have seen from him is like being really good, like probing and kicking out to the yep, perimeter. Um, and I, I've liked that. But if 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 he's got those pick and roll reads, then I'm I'm definitely more in on him. And I mean, like everything you said, like he is the one guard in this class who has an elite pull up and can get to the rim and can finish at the rim. Like he is like, truly that, the only that's, one. That's rare. I mean, yeah, guards. Like I mean, you can't say that about you can't say that about basically anybody else. Yeah. My my two points against Tyrell Terry would be one the defense. Like he's a good college defender. Like he he's a great team defender as you mentioned. And on the ball, he's like not that bad. He tries. Um, yeah, he tries. Like I like as a pick and roll defender, like he's really good at disturbing passes back to poppers. Um, like he he's just like he's very smart. He's he's effective. I think he's going to be really bad in the NBA, though. Like, the only guy at that height who is, like, a consistent positive, I guess two, are Chris Paul and Fred Van Vliet, and they are outlier, outlier strength guys. And Tyrell Terry's frame is just so bad. He is so weak. Like, I would be stunned if he's not, like, a pretty considerable negative. Um, and 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 the other... Uh, this was not one of the points I was planning on mentioning, but but like we talked about, I mean, I just don't know that he's actually going to be able to get to the rim uh, in the NBA. And maybe maybe once you know he gets better physically, like he will be able to get by guys because he's not like a bad athlete. He's just not an exceptional one. Um, but my my other concern is is more with the value of picking Tyrell Terry. It's gonna like you would you I feel like you would agree that it's gonna be a while before Tyrell Terry is a positive NBA player, right? That's fair. So I don't know that, that taking Tyrell Terry in the like early first round is really all that viable just from an right, investment. Like we said before, I mean, a smart team promising him like late first. Like, exactly. Yeah. That, that I get. Absolutely. But like it's the same issue as Taylor Horton Tucker, who I, I think we both loved. Yeah. This guy is so far away. Like is an NBA team really going to find it to be a worthwhile investment? I to mean, take Tyrell Terry a smart high? team like who's willing to – I mean, well, I, I don't think any team is – I mean, if I were to guess, I think Terry probably comes back, and I don't think yeah, I think it's going to take him that high. I, a smart team, like if they're willing to wait, I think a team willing to wait is and develop him will reap the benefits. I mean, but that's that, that's definitely like a, a would versus will. I mean, whether NBA teams are act, are actually going to make that yeah, investment. I, I mean, think that we have to price in God. we have to price in opportunity to an extent, and I think that's like an argument in favor of Wiseman. And and was one against uh, Taylor last year. That uh, I don't know that Tyrell Terry is going to get that the investment of a top of a lottery pick. And you know, at this stage, I think that he he wouldn't have enough time to turn into the player that he could be. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, said, like long term, I, re- I I like Tyrell Terry a lot. Like I think like he will be a first round pick next year. I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's. Uh, that's Tyrell Terry. Let's move on to our last disagreement guy, uh, another Stanford guy, uh, Spencer Jones. So Max, as the guy lower on Spencer Jones, why don't you begin? Yeah, I feel like it's weird for me to be lower on Spencer Jones because I love Spencer Jones. Um, he like uh, me, Jackson Frank, and and Zach Milner. Like every time that we posted Spencer Jones thing, we'll <laughs> we'll tag each other because we all love like Spencer Jones is awesome. Um, 
but I've got him in the 50s because he has a 10% uh, half-court rim frequency. He is 5 for 16 at the rim on the season. Uh, He is, like, he does not move in the direction of the rim ever. Um, He is, like, an elite, elite, elite shooter. I I like him, for the most part, defensively, like, pretty smart team defender. I think he's, like, not great laterally, but he's good enough. Um, But he just, he needs to come back and prove that he is willing to move in the direction of the rim. Yeah, uh, I mean, and once he does that, I'll be very comfortable with him as a first round pick. Like, I think that there is like a lot of Cam Johnson equity there. Like, the dude is a ridiculous shooter at six seven, but um, he like you that's just not viable in the NBA being that allergic to the rim. Yeah, I mean that's totally totally valuable. And I think um, this is super similar to Terry. I mean, Spencer Jones is investment. I mean, just with like you said that that aversion to the rim, he's probably not going to be a super positive NBA player early in his career but just just guys with guys with his level of shooting at his size to start with don't come around guys with his level of shooting at his size that have mm-hmm. legit ancillary skills i mean he's a smart passer and a good team defender i mean he's 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 legit in more areas than just shooting and i i think like was looking at value in that late first not even late first like early mid second range is kind of where i've got I, i'm 37 so which is not even like that yeah we're not we're not even that far like like, yeah. like i think we view him similarly yeah. i think we view him similarly he's gonna come back he's gonna he's gonna improve but as just a long-term option who just obviously shooting's a premium in the nba but a thing we talk about on draft twitter a lot is how um off-ball shooters need more than shooting like mm-hmm guys who just shoot don't make it like you need those ancillary skills like you need to be a passer or a handler or a decision maker or some or something along yeah. that i or, mean we should be very like finisher. spencer jones is not jordan nora like oh no this guy can do other stuff right which is which is why like he's i, I think I, I see it's pretty likely that he's uh, he has a really easy projectable outcome as a valuable off-ball wing in a rotation so yeah. i think just in that um mid-second round range when you're shooting for those wings that can play nba minutes i mean spencer jones is guy i'm looking at is someone who the modern nba is going to love we talk about opportunity um modern nba is going to love his shooting and they're going to get an actual good nba player if they put in the time with him so that's my thoughts on spencer jones pretty quick so all right should we should we talk now a little bit about some guys who have caught our eyes recently yeah, so I'll quickly intro this. Um, a way we'll end most of our pods. We're thinking is we're just we're just gonna Max and I watch a lot of basketball. If you know that, if you know us, you know that. So there's there's always guys that we're watching, even if we're not clipping on Twitter or talking about it. We're watching. So we're going to talk about some guys that have caught our eye in a good or a bad way. And so yeah, so just bring it, just some guys that are moving up, moving down, just. Even if it's a flash, a guy we're not super sure about, just someone interesting that we're going to bring up. So, Max, why don't you go with your guy first? Yeah. Um, the first one that I'm going to mention is Vanderbilt forward Dylan DeSue. Uh, I was watching I, – I can't remember which game it was. But he, like, contained a pick and roll and then covered ground all the way to the other side of the floor and – and. Uh, nice team defense play it was a goaltend but it, it was it was impressive uh went and checked his stats um two plus block percentage uh three almost four or th- almost four block percentage two plus steal percentage uh taking five threes a game uh not making them but but taking quite a few at at, at six nine um just an interesting long-term guy i mean the type of forward that that like we've said the nba uh craves uh, so someone I'll be monitoring going forward. Uh, give me one, Ben. One of yours. All right, so I'll go with um, a guy who I've been turned on to recently. Uh, I'll go with Nishan Highland, um, a guy who a lot of guys in the weeds of draft Twitter have been in on for a while, but I'm just recently getting to watch. And he is really legit as a future guy. I mean, the thing with him is he's he's rail thin. He has a terrible frame. And he, I mean, he's like, he like never really gets to the line, gets to the rim. That's that's an issue for him but he like at six five he has a crazy good handle he is super shifty with um his hesitations uh hang dribble moves and he's got nice touch too um the way i describe his movements is like stretchy almost i mean he he he's so long and he uses that length with his handle like like i haven't really seen before i mean he he extends past guys like along with his burst which is like he he, he has burst but he's not like 
the quickest guy, but he he extends past guys, which is an interesting way to get to the rim to kind of mitigate that frame. And like I said, he is shooting. I mean, he's actually okay um, at the rim, but only 47 attempts and an 11 free throw rate. Not great. Less than ideal. But as a shooter, I mean, only only 72% on super low volume, but 41%, 40, almost 42 on 125 attempts. He he has range. He has a pull-up game. He shoots off movement from range. I mean, he is a legit, legit shooter. And just a, a guy with that shooting capability, I mean, honestly, kind of Terry-ish, uh, but less less skilled in a lot of ways. But just a super physically un- underdeveloped, great, tons of offensive skills. A pretty good passer in the games I watched um, – Richmond in VCU so um, his passing didn't flash crazy but looking at synergy clips and numbers I mean uh, our friend Eustachio has a cool little tool where he has like a pick and roll uh, breakdown calculator I it's really handy uh, where uh, so Highlands pick and roll possessions uh, 54 shots 62 passes 14 turnovers so really balanced there doesn't turn it over much uh, pretty good hitting the roller nice timing I mean he's not special there from what I've seen but he's definitely a, a good passer so a, a future really really good offensive guy with uh, also not, not a terrible defender so that's more of a long-term guy to look at is Nishan Highland so. yep and then another one for me is Mississippi State uh, redshirt freshman DJ Stewart it's a 6'6 guard wing uh we were talking before we started recording, and uh, and I put on our outline that I wanted to talk about DJ Stewart, and and we started talking, and you mentioned that uh, that you really liked him defensively, and I was bringing him up for an entirely different reason. That um, in the game that I had watched, uh, I can't remember which one it was, Kentucky, Kentucky, um, he had showed uh, some really crazy change of direction moments that allowed him to get to the rim, just like impressive shake with the ball. Uh, and then, you know, you pull up his stat profile. He's not taking a ton of threes, but he's he's shooting all right on them. He's shooting over 70% from the line. Uh, the block, the the steal rate's pretty solid. Um, so just like a long-term guy, you know, minor flash, but um, definitely someone I'll be monitoring. It sounds like uh, like he appealed to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, in my game, I watched, I watched his game against Alabama. I didn't see the change of direction, but I saw some really impressive event creation, super active um, in the passing lanes of the flex. And he had, a, he, he had a big chase down. So yeah, Stewart's a guy I'm going to definitely have my own. All right. So my second guy who I'll bring up is uh, Santi Aldama, um, who is a Spanish Spanish guy. He is he, He's playing at Loyola, Maryland this year. Just got back from injury. He's a guy a lot of our friends on draft Twitter who are more in tune with the international scene have been high on. And it's easy to see the appeal with Aldama. I mean, six foot ten, ridiculously coordinated driver. I mean, he gets his shoulder low and he is fluid handling in at least a straight line. I haven't seen him attempt to string together um, a bunch of moves in the two games I watched, but handling like blowing by guys at his size, he's a legit handler, which is in itself playing six ten and that good of a handler. And he he seems to be a pretty good decision maker and passer in the games I was watching. Nothing crazy in terms of passing, but just quick decisions, keeping the keeping the offense moving and but like he's definitely a futures guy because he is super skinny. Um the shot, um I'm not I'm not privy to his numbers or results from his pre college days. That's something are that I don't know about, but he is he's 50% from the line on 30 attempts, 23% from the three on 46 attempts. So many of his misses are way off, hitting the backboard, not even hitting rim. Just just absolute clanks, and that's certainly just not a good sign for his touch. But he's shooting, he's getting threes up, and he's and he's shooting them. So just 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 a guy with his um, coordination and movement at his size and that ability to drive with, with some passing and just, yeah, I mean – basically a guy to to keep tabs on for the future i know there there are some people i think are our friend javier pesquera and ricky um r.i.p um <laughs> but yeah but are both two guys who are super high on aldama as like top 30 20 guys this draft i don't see it yet um i also haven't watched nearly as much as they have but with that's just an intriguing guy to look to look to look for the future and i also don't think i said this but highland is a vcu freshman i don't think i said that yeah do you want to talk about um your boys McCullough or Ramsey or save those for the future? Um, I guess I can quickly brush through those. I mean, I just want to talk about some Texas Tech guys that I that caught me. I mean, I'm just – the Oklahoma State game is the game for me of for the for the Ramsey skeptics. Oh, is that the Ramsey off-ball defense game where he is just like – it's like bowl-bowl against Houston. Is it that one? No, that, that was not the that, game. That Baylor? 
Um, I think that was Baylor. Yeah, I mean, I he was. was I mean, he wasn't was, great, but I, I, there was a there was a stretch early in the game. Um, he he isolated on. Uh, I think it's Yorane. I don't know how to say his name, but um, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I think three or four times, and he didn't beat him any of those times, which is yeah. bad because Yorane is a six ten big who's like not like totally stone footed, but he's not quick either, and like he couldn't blow by him any of those times, and he just his for a guy who's Bill as this whose whose main selling point is as a creator, he's just not he's a not bursty enough. He he has burst from a standstill off the catch. Creating with his handle, not bursty enough. B has not even close to the baseline level of decision making to yeah, be. I mean, we're on the same creator, guys. Yeah, we're I'm, on the same page totally, here. I'm totally out on Ramsey. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, he, he and and Shannon to me, Terrence Shannon, they're like really comparable prospects. I like Shannon. Um, Ramsey's fine. I mean, he's a he's a really good spot up shooter. Um, he like has yeah, some I mean, balance like, at times. He's, he's probably like, going to be a good pull up shooter. I mean, he gets to his pull up quickly. Yeah, he he hits them. But... He's a disastrous defender. Also, so so bad. And like, like the wor- like the worst off ball defender in the class. Yeah. Some people are also kind of big on his passing. I I, I don't see it. I, I mean, he has some he passing some nice cutters kick out sometimes. Like, he gets like, cutters well, but like his decision making on the ball, I don't think is good. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I'm just very out on them. Like I said, I have Shannon like four, sp- four spots behind him. They're yeah, they're I'm... like comparable prospects to me. All right, so yeah, yeah Ramsey and I'll go. They're uh they have another redshirt freshman, Kevin McCuller. He's kind of old and but he's a guy uh, Ross Homan uh brought up and he's a guy that I noticed had a good game and he is he is quite impressive. I will say um he's um about six six, really solid athlete. Um he's got some pretty obvious burst and vertical issues. He's a really smart team defender uh, making rotations and he was a great decision maker too on offense. The thing with him that was obvious watching is he just doesn't shoot threes. There were multiple instances where he would dribble into a mid-range pull-up after being wide open from three and that's just obviously not a real thing. He shot 22 threes this year, 22.7%, less than 70% from the line. So less than ideal, but like Four, like four and a half steal percent, two over two block percent. I mean, it's good stuff. I mean, he's really smart, an athlete, six six. Even though he's on the older side, um, someone to watch. Something about Texas Tech having good older guys. I mean, talk about TJ Holyfield. Like, oh yeah, dude, I love TJ. If he was twenty two. He'd be like, oh, if someone if someone in the NBA just teaches TJ Holyfield to shoot, I would be so happy. Or just like grants him a time machine. Like, yeah, man, that would be nice man. too. Like Dude. if he wasn't twenty five, I'm like I'd be in on him as like an almost first round guy. He's so good. I enjoy him so much. Yeah, he is he, he's fantastic. I mean, like I think it was like Texas Texas Tech's first game against some some terrible mid major team where he had oh, like he, seven he, ridiculous yeah. blocks. Their early because their early uh, non conference schedule was so bad. Right. It was and, like and Eastern, Holy Holyfield yeah, was just massacred. He ripped them apart. It was Eastern Illinois. Oh, he so had good. like thirty rotations that, that just are like this guy's a genius. And yeah, he's he is a Holyfield's a really cool sleeper. That's gonna be a, a fun UDFA to track throughout uh, Portsmouth and PBC and all. Those yeah, things. I mean, I feel like once once returners are out of the way, he'll be a top hundred guy for both of us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy I'd be gonna want to be right now. Top sixty, uh, but I'm probably not gonna let myself. We'll we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I've got him like a hundred two right now with, yeah, I mean, with lots of guys that are going to return right yeah i don't i, I haven't even ranked that deep yet but or like yes but, but yeah. he's, right. whatever tj holyfield's wonderful <laughs> yeah, he's great and like texas tech might as well round out texas tech talk with terrence shannon um terrence oh, shannon that. is a guy both of us are quite in on i mean just the flashes he shows of like team defense equity um passing with his baseline of athletic tools I mean, he's he's pretty raw i mean never uses his right hand yeah, ne- oh my god like one yeah. of the more right dominant or left dominant yeah. guys you'll see it's, it's actually bad. has a ways to go like with his shot and like with with the offense and stuff but i just as a guy i mean wait he, he's like 85 82 ish percent from the line right he's yeah really, really really high yeah. i think always has been yeah i think 82.4 on 102 attempts that's really good yeah, 56.4 free throw rate too. So he's a guy. Like honestly, I'm kind of talking myself into moving him up right now. Uh, I I I think he'll probably finish above Ram- Ramsey for me. I, I mean, so Ramsey's too. gonna come out, and I think I would expect Shannon. Shannon's gonna stay, but yeah, Shannon is awesome. But, yeah, uh, I've got him three like, spots apart right now, and he's really one of my favorite players to watch. This oh, week. he's really fun. Yeah. All right, so I think that's about all we have um, for this first episode of Prep to Pro. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, you can find us everywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. So please uh, leave five stars, comment, subscribe. Uh, Max, got anything else? 
Yeah, follow us at prep to pro pod on Twitter. Follow Ben at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore me at Max A. Carlin. And Ben, the last thing that we should always mention, I think, at the end of our podcast is Jason Tatum. Zion Williamson. All right. See you.